0: Welcome, everybody, to the Value Clarity Podcast, where we talk about building customer-perceived value and everything in your organization that it takes to do that. Today, I am thrilled to have Dr. Gary McGrath, who is uh, one of the more influential uh, leadership speakers, coaches, teachers, trainers that I have ever met. Uh, I'm thrilled to have you here, Gary.
1: Thanks, Mark. I'm looking forward to it. So love uh, talking about leadership. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well. So uh, Gary's uh, company, uh, Statarius.
1: Stater- I know everybody struggles with it because it's Latin, and our our Latin isn't real good. Statarius. Okay. Yeah.
0: And uh, tell us about kind of your journey, which I think is really cool, but I want you to tell it and um, how you ended up uh, founding Staterius and and what you do and how we can get a hold of you
1: well i i I guess the short story is i got interested in the leadership bug when i was 16 years old and i saw a troop master of a boy scout troop turn the troop around in like five minutes and what he did and i i went up to him afterwards i was like what was that and he said well gary that's leadership and that one word started me on my journey and i tried to take every leadership position I could when I was in high school. I was a shift supervisor in a restaurant. And and then uh, I got an army ROTC scholarship. So I was an army officer at 22 and in command at 25. uh, And then went on into, you know, like many people into the corporate world for years. Um, And uh, I I worked for the Covery Leadership Center for a while. And when I was doing that, I, I learned that if I was ever going to do something significant myself in this whole world of leadership, that I needed to write a book, I needed to get a terminal degree, and I needed to develop a program that I felt was the, uh, a better way to build leaders, to develop leaders, and we always say we don't train leaders, we develop them. So we created a, um, a program, Leader Step Seven is a nine-month leadership development program based on my second book, The Seven Steps of Intentional Leadership, and uh, it takes people through a very intense nine month development program within the organization. It's really important that people stay within the context of their mission, the values of their organization so that they can apply their leadership capabilities within their culture. If you don't do that, you're usually wasting your time and your money with people. So yep. I know the work I'm that, that you more do. more Latin, in situ. In, <laughs> that's right. Uh, the, the work that you do uh, in, um, you know, adding value to, you know, customer value, the mission of the company has to be founded in that value. You, you, I'm sure you, you go in and you talk to companies, they say, yeah, customers are important. But then you can just see all of the, the lack of commitment to actually behaving in a way that, that shows that. Yeah. So what I do is align the mission, the values to the outcomes that they want to achieve. But I do it through the internal relationships, and and
0: we call that leadership. Yeah, you know, in listening to you and in talking with you, you know, I I kind of have my my own Mark Boundy centric view of the world, and that is, uh, I know that leadership is important, and a lot of leadership uh, development is around how to lead, and value is not that value is where to lead. So you've got to get your group together. You've got to get your, as I used to say in high school, get your poop in a group, right? And um, you've got to get people to that place where they feel comfortable contributing, eager to contribute, um, excited to contribute some more than, you know, greater than minimum amount of contribution and, I think once we understand where that customer value, maybe maybe that makes it a little bit easier. Uh, but you've kind of shifted my thinking to say, you know, they aren't equal and in, in inseparable partners to each other. Um, there's, there's a gate. You can't get to where unless you've got how nailed down pretty well.
1: Yeah, that's why we say uh, when we look at the... Um, the model that we've seen Simon Sinek do with his, you know, uh, start with why, right? The why the core of what, why are you in business? Why are you doing what you're doing? Well, each individual has the same thing that they need to uncover their why, yeah. their, their personal mission. And that's where we start with leadership development. It's an inside out process with their personal mission on uh, why are you here? What, 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 how do you want to show up every day? And we work with leaders to do that, to be able to achieve the outcomes that we're talking about. And our leadership definition is the ability to build relationships so we can achieve our goals together with compassion and accountability. It starts with the relationships and relationships starts with you knowing, you know, Mark, you know, you're talking to, to Dr. Gary sitting here and you go, who is this guy? You know, what, why, why should I be talking to this guy? And in the course of a conversation, we will either connect or not by having some common values common interests something in common that we connect to and then that that we would move forward in a relationship where we know we can help each other out where we care well you you said you want to create an environment where people uh, can contribute well that that's a that's a really important phrase create an environment where people can contribute we start by creating an environment where people feel safe to contribute. Wow, yeah. And that that comes from trust. And trust is the ability at an individual level for you and I to be able to contribute, to add to the value of the organization, to bring in my special talents and so on, but also to be vulnerable enough to admit what I'm not good at or what my limitations and, and uh, uh, things that I struggle with. and be vulnerable vulnerability creates trust trust creates that ability to have a safe environment and then we can have conflict we can challenge each other because we care about each other and at some level you actually love each other and you can have these fights you can have this conflict you can you can speak your mind and some cases go man you know i think it's this and you think it's that well is there a third alternative Maybe there's more to it than that, but we listen to each other because we care. And
0: how many, uh, you know, I'm I'm thinking back to some dysfunctional cultures I've worked in where that was just not the case. You know we used to joke at one place we put the fun in dysfunctional
1: this fun, yeah <laughs> yeah and so i i will tell you that the organizations that we're working with now that we've been working with for the last five years putting these leadership programs into place and therefore creating a leadership culture that allows people to speak up contribute and collaborate more effectively Their reputation is becoming, I was just working with a group of sales leaders in a large construction company this past week. And these uh, two sales leaders were there from their biggest competitor. And they came to the new company because of the culture of the old company. And after being here for like six months to a year, they were sitting there talking about the fact how much they love working in this culture. The expectations are high, accountability is high, goals are still stretch goals, but they're not beat up every day. They're not, you know, treated like a bunch of kids or teenagers because they make a mistake or they miss something. When somebody misses something, that's an opportunity for a team member to step up and say, hey, Mark, uh, you missed that. And you go, oh, yeah, thanks, Good.
0: Yeah, because yeah, we well. make
1: mistakes.
0: Yeah, you, you never want to waste a good mistake. Um, I teach in my book uh, that everybody in the company should understand how their role, their job, connects to a customer outcome, to customer value. And I think there's a lot of culture and leadership that gets there. I've, I've actually heard of companies that set a new hire down on their first day with with um the you know start with the video of here's who we are here's what we do here's the value and here's the outcome that we provide our customers and then somebody explains to them how their role connects to that and uh what a difference from a lot of cultures tell me tell me your thought on on how leadership connects to that on having everybody understand how they how they connect.
1: Well, you bring up a good point because here's what I think happens in a lot of organizations. They bring the new people in, they show them the video and they say, you got it, Mark? You got it? You go, oh yeah, yeah, I got it. Great. So you go to work and you're doing spreadsheets and you're making phone calls and you're inundated with activity. The job of the leader is not to just show the video, but it's to connect it every day to the work that they're doing. Most people that, that don't have the capability to strategically see the connections need help from the leader to say, hey, Mark, you know what? You know, that, you know that spreadsheet you put together that went out to all the sales team that helped the service people connect to the customers that did all that? That's what you did. You connected all those dots through that spreadsheet. Did you know you did that? Most people are going to say, no, I, I didn't know. That's why it's important, you see, because it's connecting this to this to this and giving them the information they need to be able to provide better service to our customers. Great job, Mark, keep it up. They think if they tell somebody that once, they're done. Leadership is about reminding people every day from the vision and the mission and the values down to the role that you're talking about and the goals they're trying to achieve so that the priorities are straight and they see the connection going back up the chain from priorities to role, goal, strategy mission vision and values our job as leaders is to make the connections every step of the way a lot of people don't understand that and just like what you're saying you bring people in you inculcate them with the right message from the beginning but then it has to be reminded every single day yeah why are you here
0: yeah the culture isn't the intro the culture is what we do day in
1: and day out yeah
0: uh, yeah. cult- culture isn't about your first day
1: <laughs> no but the video is a management activity that checks a box yeah okay it Checks it the box. I'm not I'm not covered be. yeah I, it can be I'm covered we told them you know they don't understand not my problem and a lot of times it's because people are creative enough to you'll see the greatest leaders that are creative in the way they communicate that message from start to finish and connecting the dots
0: yeah. You know, that's kind of one of the cool things about sales is I tell when I'm working with salespeople and sales leaders, I remind them that your commission check has nothing to do with what you told the customer. You can't, you can't say, Oh, well, I told them because your commission check doesn't appear just because you told them your payment, your pay, your success is 100% attributed to what happened between the customer's ears what they heard what they thought about what they heard and your commission is about nothing more than what happens in the other guy's mind and leadership is kind of the same thing
1: it is kind of the same thing and that's one of, my first book was mastering sales leadership learning to herd cats so that was the first book i re- wrote like seven eight years ago and it's kind of a how-to book for sales management sales leadership and a lot of salespeople read it because it helps them get, a, uh, get their arms around this whole complex complexity of sales. But to your point, um, a lot of what what sales individuals do is a very high profile leadership position. And a lot of people don't look at it that way because they have to communicate the mission, they have to communicate the value to the client, they have to talk to the client in a way that first listens and asks questions. I, Mark, I ask people this question all the time with sales. When I used to interview salespeople, what's the most important skill of a salesperson? Invariably, you will hear people say it's to listen and it's wrong. It is not to listen. It's to question. The first skill of a salesperson, the most important is to ask really good questions and then follow that up with good listening. Yeah. When
0: you are in
1: sales and you get somebody who leans back and says
0: man what an insightful question and then they start launching off into that big story um nothing makes you feel better than when you've yeah. done that
1: because the listening yeah. is easy right the listen well for some people
0: <laughs> Com- compared <laughs> compared to developing the insight uh that oh, totally, that, yes. that launched that question
1: yes yeah now, no yeah, listen, so- listen, listening is not easy Yeah. Not, not, not listening. Well, Um, we hear the words, we don't always hear the message. And that's why, you know, we, when we look at, when we talk about leadership development, um, uh, we have a high uh, amount of focus on emotional intelligence because emotional intelligence is only one of two scientifically correlated characteristics of leadership effectiveness.
0: Yeah. Sure. Tell, Tell me about that. You told me about this once. I want you to, I want you to go through that.
1: Yeah. Emotional intelligence is one. Cognitive judgment is the other. And I can measure both and I can determine based on some profiles that we have of leaders, the ones that will be, will tend to have a higher probability of success based on their emotional intelligence and their cognitive judgment. Um, EI has to do that face-to-face relationship with a team, team members, customers, peers, bosses, and the ability to be able to lead manage and understand a person's emotional state at them in the moment. I have to start by my understanding myself, my own emotional state, how I would manage that and then read you and understand what your emotional state is at the time so that I can make a decision as to whether I should continue to communicate the way I'm communicating or to shift that because of the scenario that we're in. I was coaching a president of a company recently. And as I'm sitting there waiting for him to walk in, I'm just he was a little late and I'm on my laptop and I'm I'm typing a few things and he walks in and I stop and I I said, Hey, how you doing? And, and he just, he doesn't even respond to me. He just like flops in his chair and, and throws his pad on the table and just, you could just hear this big sigh and I take my laptop and I close it very slowly. And I know we're not going to do a lot of heavy coaching today. (laughs) And I'm like, what is going on? And he, you know, he proceeded to tell me, and there was a personal issue in his life that was going on that some struggles that were happening with him at that moment, nothing to do with business. And if I, if I had sat there without, with a lack of social awareness and, and just dove right into the coaching, I probably would have lost a client. But what I did gain was a friend. And that's what we do for each other in any situation that we have these emotional conversations that you create safe space for people to be emotional. We are emotional beings and we connect deeply on emotions, not on stuff, not on, we have the same interests. We like college basketball, that's great. That creates a certain level of connection but it's not a deep connection as a friend. We connect deeply through emotion.
0: Yeah.
1: So cognitive judgment, cognitive judgment is the ability to make good decisions. I mean, it gets very complex, but it's the ability to make good decisions. And there's all kinds of research around the ability to make good decisions quickly uh, for CEOs and executives that slow decision-making beyond the time that it's needed is a killer for an executive and will often uh, end a career. Yeah, Uh, a CLM, as we call it, career limiting move. Um, So
0: I want to shift a little bit uh, to something that that cognitive cognitive judgment um, and probably some of your experience in the Army, uh, something that I believe strongly in is the learning organization, where it is not the job of the senior leaders to... Divines changes in the environment to come up with a new strategy and then to deploy that strategy down uh, through the hierarchy below them. It is the job of an organization to use the people at the front as the sensors as the ones collecting information and In the army you've got forward observers and you've got scouts and you have to do that. So in the army Uh, a lot of that intelligence is collected organically. And in so many companies, they have lost that. And we expect the leader to have a cape and to have x-ray vision and to be the one that does that. So how do you compare and contrast that leadership style that makes that organic learning organization a reality? Because you've, you've seen it and you've been an officer in an army, but you've also... Uh, led companies where that's kind of gone astray
1: yeah so there's a couple of things that come to mind first of all uh when you talk about a learning organization uh, i was uh you know i was trained very well in business when i worked for procter and gamble and when i when i think about um uh, my entry into that i was there about a year and my boss comes up to me. I'd been in the army for four and a half years. I was about 28 years old. And he hands me a piece of paper on giving and receiving feedback. And, I, and he says, I want you to do a 30-minute review uh, on this article on giving and receiving feedback to teach us a little bit about giving and receiving feedback. I can still remember the 13 topics that they talked about in giving and receiving feedback because it was part of the culture at PG to constantly be learning skills. That's a learning organization. And they don't wait for um, the CEO of the company in Cincinnati. I was in Green Bay, Wisconsin, waiting for some edict from Cincinnati saying, okay, everybody needs to get trained, okay? It was part of the culture. So the, the, the learning organization is something that becomes part of the mission, part of the culture that every single level works on that. Now, what you're talking about is having collaboration and communication throughout the organization, going up and down. And again, I emphasize, it's a safe organization is necessary for that to happen. When you have people higher up that are that think they have to wear the cape, the superhero, then that's a cultural problem. They're not. It's creating lines of communication to even hear the people that are on the front lines. And I have, a, I have a, um, an oxymoron, a leadership oxymoron that I use to try to uh, help people remember this. Leaders have to be confident in their decisions. They have to be confident in the way they communicate. And they have to have a little bit of doubt. So the oxymoron is having confident doubt. And since you, brought up, since you brought up the military, I use this metaphor all the time. We're, we're walking through the woods. I'm a second lieutenant with 40 troops and I've got the map and compass. And, and it's dark out and I've, I've, we're going north. We're headed north because we've got to get to a, a place that we, we're told we've got to be there in an hour and we're on a force march and we're moving. And, we're, and I'm, I'm confident, we're moving, going through the woods and there's this little voice in the back, this private that says, sir, i um, got a comment, i a little input here. And a, an arrogant lieutenant would say, private, you need to keep your mouth shut and just do what you're told. Somebody with a little confident doubt might hear that voice and go, uh, private, what's, what's going on? You, you sound a little worried. Well, yes, sir. Um, see, I used to live around here. You keep going about a hundred yards, and we're all going to fall off a cliff. It doesn't show that on the map. Uh, okay, everybody, turn left. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, um,
0: I, I say to it. To your point. Way. Yeah, I say it a different way. The a, a true leader knows when to be led. Yeah, um, absolutely. And it takes. Confident in yourself, to know, you know, you're comfortable in your own skin. To know that that is not a personal attack. That's That's that is a you. You've developed an organization where people want the best for the organization, and that's a success when you have somebody in your organization stepping up and leading because. Uh, A, in the short term, you know, the organization, the team does the right thing or does, you know, makes a better decision. But in the long term, you've started developing a leader. You've developed some bench strengths.
1: You you hit the nail on the head when you said they take it as an attack. And there's so many things in our leadership program that we work on to help people understand what that's like. False limiting beliefs, fixed mindset with, with mindset. It's, it's an arrogance and it's a belief that you're supposed to have all the answers. All of those things are uh, setting us up for failure as leaders. And what we help leaders understand is a different perspective on what leadership means. It's not about being in charge. It's not about having all the answers. It's about developing and building relationships so we can achieve our goals together with compassion and accountability. Compassion and accountability is a balance of two dichotomous thoughts in most leaders. Most leaders think they either have to hold people accountable or they have to be compassionate. And it's the thought that's the problem. It's not either or. It's what balance of compassion and accountability do you need to apply in this situation? And every single time that you go into a situation, a conversation with somebody, you need to ask yourself the question, how do I balance these two? Do I need to be really tough and just simply say, hey, Mark, gosh, darn it, man, you need to do this, okay? You need to get this done. I, you know, I, I I don't know what's going on with you, and I care about you. And And you need to get this done. <laughs> so it doesn't have to be one or the other. Sometimes it's both. And um, I can I can remember a short story about uh, Vince Lombardi once talking to Paul Horning back in the 50s. And Paul Horning was kind of a playboy, and uh, Vince Lombardi was a disciplinarian for people who don't you know know he was the green bay packers the uh, legendary green bay packer coach and paul horning was their uh star running back and uh they set a curfew at 10 o'clock paul horning came in late he gave him a hundred dollar fine next night he came in late again he gave him a 200 hundred dollar fine next time he came in late again it was a 400 hundred dollar fine this is when they weren't making like ten thousand dollars a year now he's had three fines of seven hundred dollars and on the third night vince lombardi said to paul he said paul if you do this again tomorrow, I'm going to double it again. I'm going to keep doubling it. And if there's something out there worth spending $800 tomorrow night, take me with you. <laughs> and, and Paul kind of, okay, okay, I get it, coach. So there was accountability, but there was also a sense of understanding um, in that in that joke yep. and, and letting the, the leader. And these are the things that a lot of people – they don't see those moments of greatness that leaders have the opportunity to demonstrate by having side conversations and individual conversations with people every single day. How do they build them up? How do they hold them accountable? How do they make sure that they let them know, I care so much about you, Mark. I am not gonna let you fail.
0: I, yeah.
1: What a great
0: place. We're running up on time, but I couldn't imagine a better uh, way to, to end. Unless there's something that we didn't cover that you want to make sure that we get to.
1: I, I think we've we've covered an awful lot, Mark, and I've appreciated yeah. uh, appreciated the conversation. Yeah. And, Tell uh, people how they can get hold of you again then. Um, other than knowing how to say Latin with staterius.com, s-t-a-t-a-r-i-u-s.com, S-T-A-T-A-R-I-U-S.com you can always look up Dr. Gary McGrath on LinkedIn or go to my website, statarius.com. Um, but uh, probably the best way is to uh, just get a hold of me through LinkedIn.
0: Great. Dr. Gary McGrath, thank you very much for your time. And thanks for joining us on the Value Clarity podcast, where value is all in your customer's mind, which means your success with your customers and with your team is all in the other guy's head. Thanks, and have a high-value day, everybody. Well, it ain't easy, because value's in your buyer's brain. If you're selling on only your features, you're going to drive over you insane. And if you ignore your customers' outcomes, you're bound to be paying your dues, because you'll be singing those old don't-know-value blues.